Screens.tumblr.com, the Speakers and Screens blog, uh, where you can find movie reviews, uh, or slash essays, and the movie podcast, and normal podcasts, and occasional music coverage, but we've kind of deviated from that for a while. Um, my name is Robert Beck, I am the, I am a writer for Speakers and Screens, um, usually music, but I've started to write about movies a little bit more frequently now, meaning I, meaning like two articles, um, with us today, as always, is my sidekicks. TJ Dwayne, <laughs> also writer for the at least the abandoned theater portion of the blog. I have some new articles, essays that you guys should check out. Oh yeah, we should we should probably pimp uh, whatever things we've written before we get going on the movies. Um, but with us, as almost always, is also Danny Spateri. Yeah. Who's, practic- yeah. who's practically irregular by now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, we're going to say that as long as this podcast is in existence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, practically yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. from now on we should just not even just treat it. He, he's, a th- he's, the third, he's the third co-host. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think even it's even gotten to the point where you two can probably just do a podcast when I don't feel like it. Or, or, or you two <laughs> as well. We have a good... Possibly, yeah. Because like we uh, our last show, which was the 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 Godzilla show, mm-hmm. um, that was just um, that was just me and TJ, and it felt weird because that's that's how we started out, and that that's how we started out pretty much. But now without Danny, it just feels incomplete. <laughs> Is that that's some good to know? That's good to know. I feel that hole. <laughs> you feel that hole deep yeah. inside of me. Yeah. Speaking of which, we're going to talk about Nymphomaniac today. <laughs> yes. yes <we> are. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and and you might be thinking, didn't you already talk about Nymphomaniac? Why are you repeating yourselves on the podcast? I'm unsubscribing now. Don't no, no, hold up. Don't unsubscribe. We're we're at the midpoint of the year, which means that we're going to be talking about just a few, not the very many, but uh, uh, just a few of our favorite. Films that have been released in 2014 thus far, which was the topic of our very first podcast, which means it's our one-year anniversary. Yay! Hey. That was me imitating uh, one of those party things. I like party things. Yeah, <laughs> party things. Name of the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> unless unless we find something better later on. So, I think um, this is only going to take part of the podcast. We're not going to bore you. With, um, well, so, well, some of these movies are movies we haven't talked about. I mean, a couple of mine are movies we haven't talked about, but uh, a lot of it is just going to be re- reiterate, reiteration and just reminding y'all of movies that are great that came out in the first six months of the year 
or nothing really came out in January and February. So really the last four months of the year um, and are things that you should check up on if you have not thus far. Uh, TJ, how about we get started with you? We're, we're going to do three of these each, these, I think. All right. And then we might, yes. rattle, we might rattle off some other ones and then just talk about a couple of the big new releases that have come out. All right. Uh, before we get started, I will pimp some of our articles. Robbie oh, has a that's couple... right. I just mentioned that. Robbie has a couple great ones. And do you want to mention yours first? Yeah, I um, I wrote uh, a pretty big piece about. Um, well, I've mentioned these guys all the time, not really on the podcast yet. Well, I I have a couple times, uh, but I wrote a piece about the film The Sun or Le Fou, um, <laughs> uh, written okay. and written and directed by the Belgian duo of misery Jean Pierre and Luc Dardan. Um, who are honestly two of my favorite direct? If they're not my two favorite directors working today, then they're damn close. I mean, I talk about them all the time. I love their movies, and neither of you have seen any of them yet. I own Les Enfants. La Font. La Font. Which is <laughs> which is great, and and the the sun is different. Uh, I, I explain why it's different in the article. So so just read it. If if you like naturalist cinema, if you like foreign cinema, just read it. Um, I, it goes into that film, but also just the director's, uh, whole, uh, you know, what they're all about pretty much. And then I also wrote a review of, uh, one, of, one of my favorite films of the year, but not in the three that I'm talking about called we are the best. It's a Swedish film about, about three young girls that start a punk band. Uh, in early 1980s Stockholm, it is delightful. It is joyous. It, it it's it's a really wonderful film, uh, and it and it as of Friday, it's now on demand. So, y'all y'all should go watch it, and read my and read my piece on it. Absolutely. Whenever um, <laughs> at my day job, at the end of the day, a lot of the times I will yell, "Au revoir, les enfants." Because the French teachers across the hall from me, oh, all the children as they're leaving, just because of uh, the Louis Mal uh, movie from the eighties. Uh, but I know that's not funny, but I guess I felt like saying it. Um, yeah, uh, I have not read either Robbie's articles because I want to see the movies first. But they're both movies that are well, they're definitely non, on my radar. Non-spoilery. Okay, so maybe I should I should read them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Not, of... Neither of them, neither of them have spoilers. Um... Maybe you should watch The Sun before you read the piece, just because it doesn't go into the ending, but it kind of goes into the I, 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 the, the inner soul of the movie, which I think is just best to be explored on their own, on its own. Mm-hmm. We Are the Best is not a particularly spoilery movie, but it, you know I still recommend it, but you can, you can definitely read that without... Uh, it's, not, it's not an analysis by any means. It's really just something I wrote, wrote pretty quickly because I felt like it. Um, oh, yeah. You wrote a big lofty piece, or maybe a couple that, um, a yes, couple of I have two, pieces. I believe. Um, and one of which I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep close Hit to my it. chest until we get to it in our discussion. It's a 2014 movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna hold that one off for a moment, but I will pimp my Abbas Kiristami, uh, essay about four, three. but really three specific shots in three of my favorite movies of his and sort of just a shot analysis of what those shots mean to me and what I believe those shots mean of the movie itself. 
I skipped. Um, I, oh, you, you talk about three movies. One of them is Close Up, which I skipped reading that section. Mm-hmm. I still haven't yeah. seen that film. I have. Well, I've seen parts of Certified Copy, and I've. But I, and I've seen like Someone in Love, which is terrific. Yeah. The oh yeah. Um, I, I watched it again recently, obviously for my essay, and I bumped it up a little bit. Like if we would have talked about it on our top ten of last year, I would have bumped it up a couple places. It's just. Yeah, it's kind of like a dream. Like it's one of those movies. It just sort of like washes over you, and you're just like, you want to watch it again because you don't. You'll never fully get it all, but it's not so vague. It's yeah, it it has merit in its sort of elusiveness, and yeah, it's Kiristami's movies have a sort of effect on me, and I think the number one reason is his use of the camera. It's not like he all his shot compositions are beautiful, though many of them are. It's that they're effective and they make you think about the, the film itself. Yeah. And it's sort of, I've become less and less interested. I'm going to talk about that in my top three. Story is very important. To yeah. Think. It's absolutely important. I'm not saying it's not important. But it's become less important to me, like the, the script level analysis, yeah, because here. that's what I read fiction for. And even theater at the same time, I feel like it's more mm. um, focused on that. With cinema lately... It's just become the image and the sound. I watched Stop yeah. Making Sense last night, and it just it's it's image and sound. It's it's. During, I read when Holy Motors came out. I read <laughs> one of the reviews for that, and um, it quoted the the specific critic that wrote the review. I don't remember who it was. Quoted someone else who I also cannot remember, but it's a quote that stuck with me. Um, Cinema is far too strong of a medium to be left to the storytellers. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I, and I love, sorry, I, I was going to say, I love so many movies that are, do not even dare to live and die by the plot. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, Martin Scorsese's quote has been big for me lately when, in my personal analysis of movies, is cinema is a matter of what's in the frame and, and what what's not. not in the frame. Yeah. So, you know. All right. We should probably get going because absolutely. We yeah, said, sorry, we, yeah. said we, we said we were going to make this a short one. I have a feeling it might not be a short yeah. one. But we'll do our we, best. We, we should. We'll do our best. Yeah. Um, Danny, how about you start off our little three movies thing? Favorite okay. movies of twenty fourteen. Number so three. So name name the the third slot, and then we'll yeah. go up from there. I don't know. Okay. I, I was just gonna name. Uh, just I mean, name them all. I was gonna name them just however I felt. Two. I'm probably gonna go three to one. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna go whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh well I guess I'll start with my number three then. Um which is under the skin. Um and yes. I actually didn't have a piece to advertise along with um TJ and Robbie that I wrote recently, but I did write an under the skin piece a couple months ago. Um, yeah, which is terrific. Which is But very spoilery. <laughs> It's very spoilery, so don't read it unless you've seen it. Yes. Um, but yeah, that one I'm not going to say much on because I just don't feel like there's a, much of a point. But just the quick summary is uh, really, uh, I guess, elusive. I don't know if I don't want to say elusive because there is definitely a narrative, but um, really surreal. Uh, surreal and and. The director Jonathan Glazer is an adapt. He adapt- he adapts a book, but he cuts a lot of the exposition out. So yeah, it, apparently, uh, apparently the yeah. book is about factory farming. Um, yeah, which I didn't even come close to picking up out of the movie. Yeah, so, 
Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but but anyway, yeah, it's a it's a sci-fi um, with a lot of a lot of uh, angles you can look at it to pick up a lot of cool analysis and interpretations. So, Scottish um, Scottish boners and naked Scarlett Johansson. There you go. What else do you need? That's the- <clears throat> the um, I recommend everyone go back and listen to our review of that. Yeah. 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 It was two episodes ago, I believe. Uh, on the website, we have ScarJo's face, I believe, on that. On the picture, yeah. yeah so, yeah. so definitely, yeah, pretty definitely easy watch that. It's in my top five. It's absolutely. I I pre-ordered the Blu-ray. I can't wait to watch it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, um, do you want me? Do you care if I go next or? I totally care. You should go. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll just go three to one, too, considering that's what everyone else is doing. I'll just follow the crowd. Um, <laughs> All the cool kids are doing All right. it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving out a couple, a couple of movies that I know that you guys are going to talk about just because I want to talk about some other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raid 2. I'm going to keep banging that drum of The Raid 2. Um, and Skulls. And Skulls. You all should see it. It's great. Yeah, great martial you know, ar- great martial arts film, uh, just one of the best action movies I've seen since the first The Raid. <laughs> um, they're both yeah. great. Yeah, you know, I actually kind of regret missing it in theaters because I think lately, especially, I've been more in the blockbuster mindset than I really usually ever am because there have been some some good ones recently. Uh, and not that that's like a blockbuster, but as far as like movies that are yeah, and it, really it, it's definitely history. a genre film. It's not, and it's not yeah. trying to not. It's not trying to be any deeper than it needs to be. Even though there's exactly. more, even though there's more of a plot this time than the last raid, and I think it makes it a little. I think it makes it a little bit more engaging because the raid one is really just an onslaught for the entire way through. That can make it boring for some people. For me, it just makes it. Just endlessly. Um, the raid two. There's more peaks and valleys. Um, even though it's probably even more violent and more just extre- extreme with its fighting, um, yeah. with its fights. Um, but there's more plot and there's a reason. You, you know, there's more of a reason for the fights. Um, it's a terrific movie. It's yeah. great. I'll try to catch it still, honestly. It yeah, pretty yeah, intriguing. definitely. Yeah. All right. The, TJ's my, my three picks all have like a, a – not a narrative through line, but sort of like there's, – there's a reason why these are my three favorite movies of the year. There's other great movies, Nymphomaniac, Under the Skin, Only Lovers Up Alive, which never got a chance to talk about. But it is most definitely ranks highly for me. Yeah. But I'm going to go with um, Richard Io. Ayoade's the double, mm. um, as a sort of uh, a really interesting meditation on existential crisis and how that literally is implanted into the plot. Very much Dostoevsky, even though the tone of this is not Dostoevsky at all. But well, they, it's a lo- it's a loose adaptation of the yes, double by Dostoevsky. but it does most def. I, I have not read the double. I've read a lot of other Dostoevsky. Um, um, but it does contain a sort of existentialism, this sort of Definitely. intellectual look at why we are the way we are. And the reason why this fits along with my other two choices we're going to come up uh, come up with is it's sort of a, I would say, 
all three of my picks, in a way, are over the top in their use of production design, cinematography, music, this create a sort of sensory experience to sort of explain the themes of the movie. And I think all three of us, many people have disagreed. I've read some really well-constructed negative reviews of my number three and number one pick. I still have yet to read a great negative take on my number two. But, well, that's because um, everyone loves it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but they, I mean, they are over the top. And it just I think it, the matter of whether you, you dig these movies or not is if you find it has a purpose that's being executed well. And for me, as someone in the audience, I was most definitely infatuated with um, Ayoade's take on this sort of near future and the way that it creates anxiety. I mean, in, in many ways, it's like her in that. Not Oh, wow, yeah. Not in tone at all, but sort of the anxiety of the near future. Um, Although you don't, I don't think this is very time specific though. No, I agree. Because like Brazil, which has every decade (laughs) in in the 20th century represented in some way, it's a noir, it's, it's futuristic, et cetera. There's some retro stuff in it too. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, like the copier, the fax machine he's using is very outdated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's very, it, it is, placed in a, in a time where there is no time but it's i still think in the most part it sort of feels like the anxieties of the times to come and you know yeah. the sort of facelessness that we expect more more and more of our workforce of college graduates and yeah that, that's people a, in their 30s that's a movie that's worth another look mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah uh richard iowade is the devil's most definitely on my list danny hasn't had a chance to speak up on it do you have anything to add danny Oh yeah, that that one's definitely really high on my list too. It's not quite in my top three, but it's it's close and honestly a little more in my mind right now than my top three anyway. Um, nice. Yeah, uh, because yeah, I saw it more recently and it's really stuck with me. The for, I mean, even just on a superficial level, the production design is like like essentially perfect. Like it's very um, confident. I noticed that Ayoade uh, does this thing with his direction where the the dialogue is like extra snappy because he has characters like respond to one another immediately after they finish talking mm-hmm. so um so there's a very like almost frenetic not not quite because it's very controlled i don't i shouldn't use that word it's very like um precise yeah precise um yeah kind of feel to it um which i think also fits that feeling of like an oppressive bureaucracy kind of weighing down on the protagonist you know yeah, yeah as definitely. he tries as he struggles to keep up with it um, yeah, and the best Jesse Eisenberg performances since performances uh, yes. since uh, what is it? The social, the, so, the social network. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. I think most people would agree. Yeah, and he's always uh, been he's always been one of my favorite actors, and but he's kind of he hasn't done a whole lot since that film. I read someone said this is the year of Eisenberg because I hear he's very good. Night moves too. Yeah, 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 yeah. which which I, I haven't got. So. I haven't got. I haven't either. Yet. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen any Rikert movies, so I need to catch up. I, I listened to Lay's film spotting, and they were all just gushing all over. Yeah, she's uh, pretty all, great. All of, her, all of her movies, really. Yeah, and she, I most yeah. definitely need to catch up with Yeah, with she's them. pretty um, But yeah. it, movies like this, I tend to be suspicious of sort of like the man is sticking it to the individual movies because I just have a bad <laughs> of, Ayn yeah. Ra- of Ayn Rand movie. Uh, oh, gosh. M- oh. Mentality. And I maybe that's my personal biases in life, but I think this movie does a great job of not saying 
not being egoist, being very much about sort of uh, like of representing an anxiety that everyone has as opposed to just people with a certain viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it helps that the film doesn't completely let um, Eisenberg's uh, like submissive character off the hook. No, oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, even his behavior is kind of not completely excusable at he's all times. Yeah. He's a stalker. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say that that's, that's something that the film doesn't like wag its finger at him for, but it also doesn't really excuse that either, which is pretty good. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. That that soundtrack and score. I, oh gosh, I listened I mean, to like yeah. that and Only Lovers Left Alive. I just are some of my favorite albums of the year. Just yeah, those are so, both something wonderful to, scores. I agree. Yeah. To listen to. All right. Yeah. All right. We should probably move on. Oh yeah. No problem. Yeah. Well, that doubles as our talk about the double and our mention on TJ's list of the dumb so Danny what is your number two my number two is Nymphomaniac which we've also talked a lot about and I don't feel like I need to get too much more into but that's it's Lars von Trier's four hour sex epic mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Here, um, here's a question I have for everyone if you don't mind um, I've read a lot of really good uh negative and positive takes on this movie and almost everyone seems to agree that part two is significantly worse i don't yeah, so, i don't so, get why i do not so a lot of, so a lot i know i don't either i totally disagree with, with their take though that they're smart people and whatnot but so people are putting part one <laughs> part <laughs> one on their um on their top whatever's of the year but like totally just not even mentioning it as a complete work is this a movie yeah, that doesn't make sense yeah, it, yeah, this I mean, is a complete I, work. This yeah, is a movie is. that was split by Sony Picture Sony Picture Classic. Uh, well, probably whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, by the production company because they want first they want people to see it and second they want to make double the money on it, which is a shrewd yeah. move on their part and something that I, I, I would see why people take an exception to. Especially I paid twice to see it. Um, so I get why people take an exception. It was like we're gonna we're, we're gonna make that bank on the Lars von Trier movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> he's but, really gonna light up the box office. Like what? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But, no, I, I, I totally agree. But I still think it, this is von Trier's movie more than Sunny yeah. Picture Classic. A lot of people are saying that part two is um, that that part two is weaker because it punishes her. Charlotte Gangsberg's character? No, they're. I don't. I think they're wrong. It, it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. It doesn't punish or judge her. It refuses to protect her from the natural consequences of her terrible actions. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very different thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and and again, I think the end of this movie is anti-misogynist. Um, yeah. Yeah. In the end, yeah, she, like something terrible happens to her, but something worse happens to the other character. So I mean. Yeah, it's sort of like I, I wouldn't say it's like justice, but it's sort of it makes you think. I mean, the end of this movie makes you and it's ponder its yeah. quality and it, what it, that really more importantly than its quality, what message it's trying to get across. Yeah, and, and I think that and, because and, of that, it's successful. And it's von Trier fucking with his audience, which is something he he can't do enough apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, von Trier, the Hanukkahs, those people are very much provocateurs in many different ways. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, yeah. uh, sh- should we move on? Yeah, I don't have much else to... to you guys kind of summed up my feelings on that. I mean, we could obviously go on about the merits mm-hmm. of, of 
part two and the movie as a whole, but I feel like since we've talked about it, I will just move on. Yeah. All right. My number two. Both parts, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, yes it's a whole movie. Parts. I agree with it's you a guys. Whole the movie, cutting yeah. is arbitrary. Yeah, you can take a break between parts one and two if you want. I mean, that's what I did. A Rammstein break. Yeah. But anyways, my number two, and I'm believe me, I if you told me I was gonna make I was gonna put a movie like this in my top three or top two, I wouldn't believe you. Um, but it really snuck up on me. It was really it was really a huge surprise. Um, How to Train Your Dragon two. And it's surprising because I I have a mixed to negative react um, relationship with DreamWorks Animation. I'm I mean I like animation. Computer animation is kind of it's become sort of just an everyday thing. So it's less it, it's less uh, surprising or engrossing than it would be ten fifteen years ago. You know. Um, and I honestly, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of DreamWorks. I'm just not, and I'm just okay on the first How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, I find a lot of it to be really too familiar. The story, story-wise, too familiar. Like I can, I can see the whole plot screaming out to me from the first scene. Um, and really, the best parts of it were the relationships between the humans and the dragons. And that's what this movie. That's what the sequel. That's what the sequel is. Uh, I, it was, I thought it was really moving, honestly, um, because, well, partly, it stems from my nostalgia for not nostalgia for for my love for dragons, um, mm. but also, it's. I think it's just. I, I think the characters have moved on to a more, more much more interesting place. There's, and. The the film really examines. Uh, here's the thing, this the, this movie does not look or feel really like what I'm about to compare it to, and and some of y'all can just kind of scoff at it and just not take it seriously, but that and that's fine. But I can feel a slight Miyazaki influence on this film, not mm. in th- thematically speaking, because I think it makes sense. A lot of this film is about humanity's relation with the natural world and with animal kind and mm-hmm. and the pursuit of peace as an exciting and as a noble goal rather than war, um, which a lot of these aimed at kids movies have just culminated in battles. Like the, there has to be a battle in every one of these kids' movies nowadays. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, for all I know, there could have been a battle in Rio. For all I know, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, isn't Rio about environmental? They, they probably fern gully the uh, shit yeah, out of those. Yeah, <laughs> well, like like Epic is another example of a movie that. Just, oh gosh. Yeah, but like. Wait, that was a movie. Yeah, it was a completely forgettable movie. Probably the most forgettable movie of 2013. Yeah, I but I, like, I it feels yeah. like we're. Raising these kids on these movies that think that the only way out is for battle, and I think I think the relationship between the humans and the dragons is really symbolic of all these things from ta- themes I'm talking about: a positive relationship between humans and the natural world, 
um, which is a very Princess Mononoke thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, I think Dean Dubois, the director and writer of this film, his pre- one of his previous films was Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. And mm. that had this really gentle, want- beautiful-looking watercolor kind of... Two- it was back when 2D animation could conceivably make money, uh, mm-hmm. which unfortunately yeah. it cannot anymore. But you can feel a Miyazaki influence in that, too. And um, yeah. and also just the flying scenes in this film are amazing. I'm, I'm fixing to see this again in 3D, even, because I hear that the 3D is really fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, I saw yeah. it, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, just, like, the, the flying... The, the first flying scene is, is just so incredible. I I, I, teared, I teared up a little bit, because it, it was just so beautiful. And then I... I cried later in the movie, which I'm not ashamed to admit. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. I was very surprised by how much this movie moved me, and uh, you know, a lot this along with the new Miyazaki film, The Wind Rises. I do not see another animated film coming out this year that I will like more. I, I like this movie. I think it's a step up. I think it's my favorite DreamWorks movie. I like the first Shrek. It's it, it's easily my favorite DreamWorks movie. Yeah, like I like the first mm-hmm. Shrek decently enough, but I also like it when I was a kid as opposed to like tackling yeah. it as an adult. Um, but I would say, yeah, this is my favorite DreamWorks movie, and that has to do absolutely with the animation, the beauty of the animation. It's a and beautiful it's, movie. It's uh, it's a, an, ungodly beautiful. Another um, Miyazaki tie. It's about flight. It's about oh, also feeling. yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. It's about the feeling of weightlessness, you know, being in the sky, the exhilaration you get. And the movie does a great job of painting that. Um, my favorite animation ticks were like Deacon's uh, additions yeah. to the movie as the vis- a visual consultant, Roger Deacon's. Whenever so he much pr- sense, yeah. I mean, this happens early in the movie whenever he, he comes face to face with his mother. This happens about 30 minutes into the movie. Mm. Yeah. The... There's this scene where these these dragons are, are breathing fire up, and you get these shadows of of across the faces of the characters as we as we have this re, like reunion, and it's very evocative. And then at the end of uh, towards the end of the movie, I'm not going to give away this plot point at all, but there's another um, sad scene that yeah. involves fire that actually that doesn't actually involve dragons actually, but it's most definitely a, a deacon's touch. And I really appreciate the use of shadow in an animated movie because animated mm, that's a good point. almost sure. never yeah. take advantage of that. But the, the most yeah. exhilarating scene in this movie is the dance with the dragons at one point. Um, yeah. Up in the air, uh, a scene between Hiccup and his mother. And it's, just, it's lovely. It's absolutely kind of what Miyazaki kind of goes for. My mm. What keeps me from... I mean, I gave this a three and a half star... But I would say that I love it. I would say it's, it is really good. And I think what holds me back a little bit is another one of uh, Du Bois. Uh, du Bois? Du Bois, I think. I don't know. Oh, do, uh, another one of his uh, own movies kind of negatively uh, is echoed in this one is Mulan. Tasha Robinson wrote a great review and an even better analysis of gender in movies lately. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think... Uh... I think you linked that to me. I haven't read it, but I saw the headlines. So. Um, she talks about how she talks about how the Trinity syndrome with women, where 
you have really interesting women, and then as the movie goes on, they become less and less important to the plot. Yeah, yeah. They're underutilized. Um, and I would say that is a case here, but it didn't bug me as much in other movies because this is Hiccup's story. Essentially, it's not her story. So mm. I would agree yeah. with her, but I would say that it doesn't hurt this movie too much. I think it's more of epidemic in film in general as opposed to just specifically yeah. this one. Um, but I would say I that can the see what, villain... I can, I can see what you're saying. The, the villain is might be the weakest part of the film. I'll, he, I'll give that. But he, he was so weak for me. He, he was the villain for Mulan. He's just a force there who's meant to be an obstacle for our hero to yeah. overcome. But in this movie, um, during certain parts when they're focusing on the villain, I just don't care. Like I want to go back to the to the uh, family relationships, which are and the friend relationships, which happen uh, occur in this movie. And I really, um, I just didn't care about the villain. If, if it involved the villain in this movie, I was just like, let's uh, 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 let's move the plot forward. It, it, it really took me out of it because he was so boring. Like, yeah. And and, and, I, and I understand that it's a kids movie, but I mean, the villains from The Incredibles and the villain from um, uh, Toy Story Three, those villains had an arc that I understood where they were coming from. The villain in this movie is like, yeah. dragons kill family, me kill you. That's his logic. And I just, I, I just I, don't, I don't appreciate it, I think. I give you, yeah. I, I give you all that, that he was the weakest part of the movie for me. I, I think the, I don't know, I think the strengths kind of make up for that for me. Oh, the, the, the strengths are there and I recommend this movie. Um, yeah. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, we, we may have different star ratings, but in the end we pretty much agree that this is a, good kids movie I, I would say it's my i mean if we're counting miyazaki's movie as a movie from this year it would probably still be my third but this has been a good year for animation what's the second um, one uh, uh lego movie oh yeah i forgot um yeah. I, I think overall it's been a really good year for animation um, yeah. so far yeah all right yeah. have you seen this yet uh, i w- i almost did but i'm probably gonna see it pretty soon i have not though all right yep. we've gone we on, we've gone for too long and i'm Dumb, dumb kids movie. So. <laughs> no, <it's a> good <laughs> yeah. TJ, what's number two? Oh, yeah. Uh, my number two is Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, yep. We're probably going to talk about it again in a moment, so we don't really have to elaborate. <laughs> um, cool. It's it's a really good movie, and I haven't met someone who doesn't like it. Um, so I have, Danny. believe it or not. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I she doesn't She doesn't usually talk. like movies <laughs> like this, so... Oh, okay. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait uh, what did you say earlier? <laughs> Is this person Satan incarnate? Did you oh. literally see <laughs> when he was like, I don't like it. It's too twee. <laughs> I hate that criticism so much. <laughs> oh, <for the> <laughs> I, would, I, would, I, would, I would read Lucifer's uh, reviews of movies. He's probably a lot like uh, Armand um, White. Um. Armand White. <laughs> Grown Ups <laughs> 2 is very Fellini-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god alright so Danny what's your number one pick number one pick is believe it or not Grand Budapest Hotel oh, whoa. Um, which realistically would probably be my number two but I, I kept it out because y'all I knew y'all would have it so yeah yeah. I mean like I said earlier there have been other films that are on my mind more recently since it's been a while since I've seen this but honestly at the end of the day I, I don't think there's a movie that I enjoyed more overall than this movie i i expect yeah. it'll get surpassed by the end of the year but for for the first half of the year i mean there's been some great films but this one just nails everything for me um 
obviously the production design is ridiculous um the the script is great because that's the thing is that, that i like about it is at first i was just so wrapped up in the production design and really like snappy plot that i i, I wasn't even really analyzing it um as much as i usually am um and then i kind of realized like at some point like wait a minute there's themes here um and i feel like that's almost what it, what it does is it, it it like uses storytelling as uh a way to consume the audience emotionally just as Definitely. the characters are using it as a way to con consume themselves emotionally um but there's a real actual like melancholy streak to it um, absolutely yeah, so it's a great movie, and I, I'm I'm honestly that's another thing I'm tired of, not just the twee thing, but I'm also tired of people saying, you know, oh Wes Anderson is just style over substance, like his movies look great, but they don't mean anything. I'm like, well, just look like a little bit deeper for two seconds, and you'll probably find something. Yeah, uh, I don't mean to like dismiss everyone else's opinion, but I mean I'm I'm dismissing dismissive opinions, basically, um, <laughs> admittedly. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I guess I did see a negative review because Devin Faraci, who's kind of a problematic critic i would say um he's he's controversial he writes for badass digest he's um okay he's controversial but he goes yeah all you people are making fun of uh this was in reference to i believe to matt zoller site's uh, op-ed talking about how every marvel movie looks the same like stylistically and how like it's just think uh cgi things crashing into other cgi things and sort of that's like yeah. <laughs> and, and he goes and he goes yeah all you people complain that marvel movies look the same look look at your own you know god wes anderson he made the same movie every time and you guys still pay money i'm like he okay, is not my no one no one is my god and he is definitely not <laughs> my god oh, i mean I, know, but I mean i'm just kind of the weakest movie i still think is um what what's it the woman on the train Dar Dar darjeeling darjeeling which is still like okay like i can still enjoy it but like Come on, he's no, he's no god. Like, come on. Well, well, that's even just one part of that sentence that's wrong. I mean, like another part is that his films look all the same, which is not true at all. Not true. I mean, I mean, even just from Moonrise to Moonrise, Moonrise. yeah, Moonrise looks like it could have come out of the sixties. I mean, yeah, whereas Budapest is like such elaborate, intricate. Yeah, you it's... know. He, yeah, he, he, he's he dealt wrong. with different themes every. You know, no, he is because he's dealt he with, different with different themes. themes every time. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, Edgar Wright movies look like Edgar Wright movies. Martin Scorsese movies look like Martin Scorsese movies. Yeah, um, I think that's a quality of an auteur. Yeah, no, it is. It means they have a point of view. I mean, yeah. you don't expect your author to completely change their prose style every mo every book unless you're <laughs> David yeah. Mitchell and Cloud Atlas. <laughs> Otherwise, like you don't expect yeah. someone to actually like. So what, why should we expect someone's movies to look different? If it had the same plot every time and was not investigating a different theme, I could get it. I would but, say it. Yeah, yeah, that would be a different. It's a valid criticism, but yeah. he was just reaching for straws because people were dissing Captain America, which got really good reviews. So I don't know why he cares why there are people who don't like it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. All right. We should move on because we also well, talked about this a whole lot. The, the one thing I do yeah. want to say, though, is... I said this last time. I'll say it again. I could listen to Ray Fine's curse. Oh yeah, <laughs> for hours. Like uh, someone posted uh, a gif or a gif or uh, or a yif. What I don't even care. But um, <laughs> but uh, I, I hate this word. But this scene is hilarious. So I'm gonna use it. But whenever Never be Adrian... a candy ass. No, no, no. I'm okay with with that. It's it's whenever uh, Adrian Brody goes. If you slept with my mother, 
And then Rafe oh, finds replies, "You I, fucking f word." Yeah, I like I thought you, I thought I was a fucking faggot, and I hate that word. But <laughs> yeah, no. But no, then but the way it's used in the movie is great. But then yeah, Adrian that... Brody's reply, "You're bisexual." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I saw that recently. I, I thought I, I, was the... a, I thought it was a fucking faggot. <laughs> I, I have the Blu-ray on my coffee table. I'm gonna go through all Wes Anderson's movies sometime this summer and and finish with that one. And I just can't wait to do it like that's the yeah. sign of a good movie uh and a good auteur when you want to revisit yeah absolutely and it's good you brought that scene up because that's that's probably like my least favorite word in the english language and yep. yet i didn't find it in grand budapest hotel i think two movies to use that word well this year one we're talking about now and the other we'll talk about a little bit later oh, 22 yeah. jump street <laughs> yeah what are you harvey um, milk yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, All right. So, yeah. Yes. All right. All right. Robbie, your number one. My number one also came as a complete surprise to me because I just I just wanted to see this I just wanted to see this movie as a double feature with We Are the Best. And I just I went to the theater to see We Are the Best and this was just kind of like a placeholder. Or not a placeholder, but just a curiosity that I I didn't know a thing about this movie. I didn't see a trailer, nothing. I saw a poster and I read a review and that's all I knew. Uh, and um it ended up really captivating me. Um, more than I thought, and it's um, Powell Pawlikowski's um, Polish drama Ida, or Ida, I think it's pronounced in Polish. Um, it's about uh, a woman, a woman named Anna, that is that is a nun in po- is about to become a nun in Poland. In Poland, she's about to take her vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, I guess it's fully commit to the, to being a nun and the mother superior um, informs her that she has to, she has to examine her past and visit her only, her sole living relative, uh, an aunt who lives in Warsaw, Poland. Um, And she, and Anna learns that not only is she a Jew, uh, but her name, her actual name is Ida. And her pretty much her entire family was killed in the Holocaust. Um, so that's something. And the the aunt Wanda, played by uh, an actress named Agata Kuliza. Um, I might be mis- mispronouncing that, but I definitely will not even try to pronounce the last name of the woman who plays Ida because that's her first name is also Agata, but I'm not even going to try with the last name. Um, the aunt Wanda has her own, uh, skeletons in her closet and her own demons that she's fighting. And I think this is a really powerful film about the casual, about the casualties of the past and how those, those who are not, not martyrs or saints, but those that just happen to be left alive, how will they get past it? And you know, how will they get past it and will they? Um, and I think it also examines how someone's upbringing can uh, really affect and kind of ruin their reaction to the their interaction with the outside world. And I, I think it's 80 minutes, but it's a concentrated 80 minutes. I don't think it's a slow movie at all. I think they pack in a lot of stuff for this. Um Enough so that it, while it felt, you know, while while it felt speedy, it 
felt longer than it was because there was so much in it. And it's gorgeous. It's shot in black and white in, I think it's four by three. Um, it, aspect it, ratio. I, I believe it's Academy ratio. Yeah. Okay. Well, Academy ratio is a, is a little bit wider uh, than okay. four by three. I think um, it's one, one or the other. Um, yeah. But I was very happy. I saw this on a, on in, on a big screen because it is gorgeous. It's that kind of like um, Bela Tarr like cinematography where the it's black and white, but it's really really silvery and just glistening, and it's just looks wonderful. And there was an IMDb review, um, which are usually not not things I take seriously at all, but this one had a really great quote that said that this film shows you it takes place it takes place in the '60s. By the way, I forgot to mention that. Um, this film shows you the past, present, and future of Poland in 80 minutes, and and, and I think that that resonated with me. And you know, jazz plays a big part in this movie, oh, yeah. which you don't exactly expect. Um, the yeah, this is just a really haunting movie, and it's definitely it fulfilled my bummer quota for 2014, which has <laughs> sorely been lacking, despite Lars von Trier uh, being yeah. being in the mix. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, but but Lars von Trier also has this weird sense of humor with it. Yeah, and, and this well, movie does. This movie, yeah. well, no, no, no. This <laughs> movie, I actually think this movie does have a couple of spots of good humor. Like, okay, I agree. The with that. the 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 aunt Wanda says um to to his to her niece, which is who is a nun. Believe um to remind you um do you have ever have any sinful thoughts of of carnal love? And uh, and Ida says no. Um, and then she said, well, you should try it sometime. It, it really helps. <laughs> what like, what like, are those vows even for if you're not sacrificing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you get the sense that that humor is really to alleviate the misery of the, the experiences of these women. I think these are two of the best roles played by any gender, any gender, but definitely two great female roles. And um, the, the woman who plays Ida has just, just just this expressionless look on her face the whole time, and it's so captivating. I could watch her face for eighty minutes, like it's, mm-hmm. uh, and and you're, you get the sense that she's just kind of numbed by all the stuff that she's taking in at once, and you know when when eventually she does kind of not break but show more layers later in the film, it's really wonderful. I, I think this is a really captivating film, and it really caught me by surprise. Um, yeah, no, I was a big fan. I would say it was in my top ten at this point. Um, the most frustrating thing about this movie is probably actually my favorite, and it and it, and the, this uh, won an award for the American Society of Cinematographers um, uh, for a Spotlight Award. Like, hey, pay attention to this movie because it, it did this festival circuit last year and won a lot of regional festivals actually. Um, yeah. But but uh, the cinematography choices are so weird. Yeah, movie, I think this where, film also kind of plays with frame in a absolute, kind of interesting way. Like where they tuck Ida or Anna in the bottom of the frame so often, cutting off yeah. her chin even at times. Where it's like, and there's this just empty space above her. It, it's not like Tom Hooper, uh, let's just fuck oh, with. Oh, good lord. <laughs> let's do <laughs> these close-ups of Anne Hathaway as she cries face um, where she's not even in the center of the frame for no reason because there's nothing interesting to look at behind her this is completely pointless but no this movie is different yeah. because it's making you think and, and eventually like my wife and I talked about this afterwards and I think we both like agreed that it sort of like represents her faith and her, the, the, the holocaust like it's bigger than her 
She's a very mm-hmm. small yeah. part of a huge thing, and it's sort of implied in the cinematography, and that's great. That's visual storytelling. That's the yeah. point of yeah. cinema, and like it frustrated me the whole movie, and it's still I'm still not fully confident in it, but that's the sort of frustration you want. It intrigued yeah. me the whole way. I wouldn't say it frustrated me, but like I, yeah. I, I kind of understood, yeah, understood why that specific choice was, and yeah. you know I think the I think the boxy aspect ratio kind of fits into that too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, mm. yeah. This is a wonderful film. I can't wait to see it again. I would I would say a little Birdman esque. I I was yeah I would say so say so too. I'm. It's not uh, a derivative. It's just yeah. And it's not. It doesn't have. Although the, these ha- these roles are very strong, they don't emote quite as much as, say, the 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 four women in Cries and Whispers, which I oh, watched yeah. a couple times in the past couple weeks. Um, the she, Anna or Anna never cries. I don't think. That's well, true. maybe she does. I don't really. I don't know. But she doesn't wail in agony yeah. like um, uh, the the, uh, the characters uh, in that film sister. do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, mm. terrific film. And apparently, even though Paweł Pawlikowski is born in Poland, most of his films have been in French and English. Um, oh. I haven't seen mm. any of his films before, but he um, apparently this is his first film shot in shot in Poland and in Polish. So, what do you know? Poland has a good cinema, but they probably don't have the exposure of. France and I don't. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot of Polish films, which is kind of bad of me, I guess. Currently, Martin Scorsese is trying to, like, you know, he spent most of his career like highlighting Italian cinema, um, yeah, because of his relationship to Italy. But lately, he's been really trying to spotlight Polish cinema, which has always really affected him. Maybe it's his spiritual themes because he's very spiritual in his cinema. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, TJ, what's your number one? Um, speaking of Polish people, um, I'm going to go with the, with the immigrant, with James Gray's latest movie. I finally watched Two Lovers, which actually helped me, uh, appreciate his style a bit more. I haven't seen his other movies, but, um, I need to watch Two Lovers. It is very good. Yeah, me too. It's easily the best Gwyneth Paltrow performance ever. <laughs> um, she, 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 she's quite fantastic and she's normally really more, really more than Pepper Potts. Um, well, okay. Pepper Potts, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, easily better than uh, I fall into fire and come out of super lady Pepper Potts. Um, um, but no, the immigrant. Um, uh, this is my essay. I, I wrote about how the um, the, the your objects, other essay that you didn't. Yes, that was okay. sort of hinting at like about how the objects, the props in this movie, um, tell the story in a lot of ways. Like we put so much spiritual power into items into these things and this movie draws your attention to different items throughout and i would say some of my sections in my essay are are more uh well thought out and some are just more intuitive like i mean this sort of made me feel this way as i i mean i believe there's importance but just the sort of like the repeated shot of her holding the the knife under the pillow yeah and then that shot is repeated with her looking at the cross on the dresser and the shot is repeated with the uh, the flower Emil gives her when she goes back to Ellis Island, like the sort of just yeah. the images repeated, um, and also of course the use of mirrors, and that's not really an, a prop per se. It's mostly the cinematography and the setting. I guess I mean it is, yeah. a, but the use of mm. glass and lace to sort of obscure our ideas 
of who our even who our antagonist is because by the end of this movie mm-hmm. our antagonist in ways becomes our main character um, yeah um for better or for worse depending on your point of view but yeah i th- this is a movie that just on every level was what I was looking for at that moment. And it, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to revisit it to see if it still holds up or if I soften on it a bit, but it's... It's a terrific movie. I see why people don't like James Gray, though, because he... he paints He's a really them. underrated guy. Like, you don't hear a lot yeah. about him. You haven't heard oh, yeah. a lot about this movie. Yeah, he... His movies are plot-wise a melodrama, but he doesn't have his actors act like they're in a melodrama. He has them restrain themselves in many ways. Well, sort of. I think think this film, and this is why I'm glad that you mentioned it because I want to talk about it, because I saw it after after we recorded the last podcast. Um, Sorry. Um, Marion Cotillard has the face of a silent film star. Oh yeah, I think this this while it's, it's in color, obviously very modern. Um, it feels like a film of its time, and it takes, it takes place uh, in the '30s, I I think, uh, around that time. Early 20th century. Early 20th century, yeah. It feels like a product of that time, and I'm, you know, watching Marion Cotillard. I mean, just the looks on her face and the close-ups on her face. I mean, kind of reminded me of Maria Falconetti in um, The Passion of Joan of Arc, which, you know, considered mm-hmm. to be one of the greatest performances of all time. Remi- oh, it reminded me of that, that kind of silent heroine um, whose world is kind of against her, you know? You know or you know? even Janet Gaynor from Sunrise. Uh, Th- that's another comparison I've heard, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. I, I think the Pastor Jenna Mark's a great point. She has this very emotive face. She does. She has to do very little for you to see what she's doing. Which actually, I haven't seen mo- many most of her acclaimed roles, and it makes me think that she was miscast in both um, Nolan movies in a yeah. way. Where, really, she was I mean, underutilized. Um, well, especially, I, I, I thought especially she was. In, I thought she was great in Inception. No. I think she's good in Inception. I would agree that 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 she, she does a good job, but a lot of people find that role so shrill. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not me, uh, not but me she is lesser utilized. I would totally agree in The Dark Knight Rises, but she uh. has this. She, I, I like. I want to see more of her like art house. Um, yeah, her, some of her pre Le'Veon Rose work. Yeah, I mean, I haven't even seen Le'Veon Rose. Even uh, with, with, I have. With, I, I, I I did when it came out. It's because uh, my grandpa really likes it. Mm-hmm. I think she's better than the movie. Um, yeah. she's terrific. Don't get me wrong. She's she's terrific, and the Oscar is definitely warranted. Um, uh, and uh, she's honestly, I think she's one of my favorite actresses. Um, even though I haven't seen a lot of her pre Le'Veon Rose. I really want to see your Dardenne's movie. Coming yeah, that's mm. if it comes out this year. Then it's one of my most anticipated this year i know sundance i know sundance selects has it but i don't know if yeah i don't know if it's going to be released this year i mean fingers crossed because i want a dardan's brothers movies this uh, i want a dardan brothers movie this year the um yeah danny what did you think um uh as we continue this conversation yeah um i loved it um I, i mean i pretty much agree with everything you've said so far um, I definitely really appreciated the complexity of the characters because I think I remember you mentioning and I completely agree that characters defy archetypes. Um, you know, you, the way a, a conventional filmmaker 
could have gone with the story as it's set up is, you know, uh, what's her name? <laughs> the I want to refer to them by character's name. Whoever Eva the protagonist. Yeah, um, Eva. Eva. Yeah. Eva. Also the W. Also Polish. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. So Eva's character could easily be the the victim, and you just root for her, and then you know you want her to win, and that's that. And um, Bruno, Joaquin Phoenix's character, could easily be the, the villain, and and you and you want him to, to lose, and that's that. And Jeremy Renner's character could easily be the like savior, Orlando, and and that's that. But it's it's morally gray. Plays, it's all morally. Yeah, gray. <laughs> it's morally. Yeah. Gray. <laughs> oh, I just realized. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, um. Yeah, he plays with uh, each of their um, motivations in a way that not only like reveals them as being more complex than that, but I think even develops them uh, into becoming more complex than that. You know, one character may start a certain way and end up a different way, and um, that that happens with, with Eva. And she, I mean, from the get go, she's she's willing to to make decisions that contradict her Christianity. Um, and, you know, there's a really interesting, I, I really liked Bruno's character because uh, especially there's a, a scene, which I guess I'll be vague about so we don't spoil it. I don't know if it's really the kind of thing that you spoil, but just the scene where he kind of breaks down. And um, oh, yeah, the climate. yeah, yeah. And oh, uh, just a wonderful, that's like what just kind of reaffirmed my love for Joaquin Phoenix, first of all. Um, and and while we're on the subject of him, he's still yet to take a non-incredible role since uh, yeah. before the master. Um, I would say I would say it goes back to Two Lovers, which is his movie before his breakdown. That's right. I need to see Two his Lovers. Fake, That's why his, I didn't mention his, it. His yeah. fake stage breakdown. Yeah. Exactly. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, we can argue about the merits of that. I've never watched the movie. I don't plan to. Neither but I. I would say yeah. that Two Lovers is. We could go back that far. Someone said that. Joaquin Phoenix has always been talented, but yeah. he had a, he he didn't always pick the best roles, Ladder Forty Nine or whatever, or this uh, or even Signs. Uh, he, he's yeah. Or but even his first nomination for the Oscars, Gladiator, Gladiator. he over he overacts that entire movie. Like it's it's all like I want to have sex with my sister. It's like an uninteresting <laughs> Jamie Lannister. <laughs> like, he's not that. Right, <laughs> he's a, he just I don't know I, I have shrill, issues with him and, kind of yeah he's very yeah. shrill I would say um I say walk the line that he carries that he carries that movie yeah. more so than, which I think um, is also, which I think is also a better performance than it is a movie but yeah and, and I like um the actress in that movie in that movie Reese Witherspoon's good in there but I would say that the, the actress is, yeah I could I, I I blanked on her name um. But I would say she's good in that movie too. Yeah, but I would say that Joaquin carries that movie. I think um, Joaquin deserved the Oscar, the Oscar probably more than Reese Witherspoon did. That's true. I, um, I, I don't know. Although, who he although I think that year might have gone to someone else. I don't really remember. I think that was Capote year. Oh, yeah, well, uh, compared, well, compared to that, then probably not. Yeah. Yeah. But, I think yeah. I could be wrong. On that. Oh, and I'm also, pretty sure you're right. Well, well uh, as well as Joaquin Phoenix has said, the Academy Awards are utter bullshit. He has. Uh, <laughs> he has said that. <laughs> It, it's after, really funny, after though. he was nominated. I know. After he was nominated. That's so awesome. Uh, did he, uh, did he it, show it up so that funny. year? What? Did he, show, did he even show up that year? Yes. He, he, says showed he, up. Will, he says he'll always show up because he owes a little bit to awards for giving him a job. Like That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like He's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, 
I get nominated for awards, I have to show up. He showed up for his, the Golden Globes for her when he was nominated for comedy. Um, like, yeah. he, he'll show up. He just thinks it's, he sits there restless. You can tell he's bored. But yeah. like, it's like, you know, I owe it to these people. Like, these are the people who hire me from movie to movie. Well, here's, so. here's the thing. Like, I've, I've talked about my um, – I've talked about my, my feelings on the Academy Awards before. Yeah. But, like, I think one of the people – one of the things that w- – what they do help in the long run is our actors. Because yeah. no matter – if you get nominated for an Oscar, no matter what, you will always be an Academy Award-nominated actor. And that – that headline does a lot for your career. Did you just yeah. look at Lupita Nyong'o and working with Star Wars now? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah exactly. she wouldn't have got that without an Oscar nomination and win. And win, yeah. Yeah. And Marion Cotillard yeah. has a career in America because yeah. she won the Oscar. Yeah. Who who knew who yeah. she was before Livion Rose? Who in America? Um, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, um, what was I going to say? Uh, no, it's okay. Um, the, the thing with Joaquin before we move off that, the, my, my favorite Joaquin Oscar moment is when uh, Daniel Day Lewis, uh, won the Lincoln award and when they're announcing all the nominees and then they announce Joaquin's name and they, they shoot to, they, they like, you know, give a reaction shot and it's just, he just shakes his head. <laughs> it's just like I know I'm not gonna win this. It doesn't even matter. Like just move on to giving Daniel Day Lewis the award. Whenever he got nom, whenever he won the LA Film Critics uh, Best Actor of the Year, um, he went up and goes, "Thank you for not giving this award to Daniel Day Lewis." Uh, <laughs> yeah, because it was such a great year for male performances. Because you also had yeah. uh, uh, Holy Motors and those three performances, uh, yeah. a trifecta of just different styles of great method acting. And, Absolutely, and um. And uh, it's just funny because he has a sense of humor, but he's a funnier person. And I think he's more aware than people give him credit for. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> Especially the, I mean, I've just seen several examples, but I think he said something along the lines of, uh, oh, I guess uh, most of the voters didn't see Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's, uh, I guess this is now officially the Joaquin Phoenix Scotch Fest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so great. Um, I heard, uh, I mean, for, for a negative criticism of The Immigrant, I've, uh, uh, Adam Kempinar, a critic, said that while Keith Banks' performance hurts this movie, partially because he can't master the dialect, which, I mean, I, I'm not a dialect coach. I'm not very good at picking out correct uses. I mean, I know Dick Van Dyke's terrible at Cockney, but other than that, I don't really, I can't <laughs> tell. <Poppins. laughs> but, 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 um, but he says he can't master the dialect, and also he's, he says instead of adding complexity to his character that he thinks Joaquin Phoenix confuses his character where he's like these disparate moments of, un- and I just disagree with that. I, I think that this, uh-huh. this is a very cohesive performance that like there's specific points in the plot that really like give his character a fulcrum to sort of like change. Like when he oh, eavesdrops on Eva's confession, I think is a huge moment for his character. He realizes mm-hmm. his own weakness. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so we'll keep this moving a little quickly since Robbie has to go soon. But yeah. the thing I actually was going to mention with uh, Joaquin in the first place <laughs> that we went off a huge tangent for <laughs> we um, was... Uh, we were doing... I liked, we're good at that. <laughs> as we yeah, I know. Um, I liked how it, it treated um, his relationship and, and Orlando's relationship with uh, Eva um, in that it was it was almost like possessive and and I think that makes a statement about 
because I, I saw it with someone who was commenting that as like a fault that they didn't like how um, uh, Eva's character was like rewarded basically because she was she was pretty. Um, but I, I said I, I like that because I think it makes a statement about um, the like yeah. kind of romance or like what the real substance of romance was for these for uh, for these people and in that era yeah. is that it, it was almost like um, it was it was the savior complex which is a problem which is something that the the film does kind of subtly criticize I think oh yeah the, um, um, I mean the way that Orlando's I mean at the end of this movie you identify much more with Bruno than you do Emil or Orlando um, yeah it's you, true because Emil Orlando has no self awareness while Bruno looks like Cotillard in the face and goes I'm a monster he knows yeah, yeah. that what he's doing. And I think that that's a big turning point for his character, and one of the big reasons why I loved his soliloquy or not uh, his speech at the end of the movie. I mean, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a, a question regarding the, the 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 flow of the podcast at this point. Robbie, you have yeah. to leave soon, right? So uh, we'll be talk best about if I leave soon. Movies. What's that? It would be best if I leave soon. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about our top threes, and what we wanted to do after this was we wanted to talk about our um, just several various films throughout the year that we think are notable that didn't make our top threes. Well, Should we? I think a we lot just, of those are just. So I, that's what I was going to say is that I think a lot of those are really recent films. Um, yeah. So should we just save those for our July podcast? Well, or not necessarily even July, but just whatever our next podcast is. Well, I mean. Uh, well, well, what do you mean by like, uh, I'm trying to figure out like what you mean, like, like, okay. So I want to talk about say 22 jump street and edge, and, and edge of tomorrow, which just came out. They're still in theaters. Um, so would it make more sense to talk about those when we talk about like the Rover on our next podcast? Yeah, I guess. And we can probably record another podcast pretty soon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, it it, it could be a shorter so. turnaround. A short yeah, we'll as well just yeah. make them separate since we can keep the top yeah. three, top three. But like, but, um, but but I think we can make a, have a couple of a few honorable honorable mentions if you want. But that's true. Yeah, what, really... some of the older honorable mentions right now that'd be a good idea. Some of the ones that we're yeah, exactly. To talk yeah, we exactly. Talk. And then so, I, I I do want to quickly talk about a DVD for like two sentences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Okay. So Danny, quick honorable mentions, like quick. Like, don't even elaborate. Just like no, I won't even elaborate. It'd be uh, Lego sorry. Movie. Uh, Wind Rises, if we're going to call that a uh, 2014 movie, uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, and then I think those are the main ones that we want to already just talk about later. Yeah. All right. I I got Grand Budapest Hotel, which I, would be my number two, actually, but I left it off. Uh, under this game, which you mentioned, We Are the Best, um, Locke, Mistaken for, Mistaken for Strangers, The Sacrament, um, Palo Alto, and Neighbors. Um, mine, I would say, I'm going to try to, a lot of what you guys said, I've seen 22 movies this year, and I, I only didn't like one, and I'm, I'm a monster right now. Fuck off. I'm a motherfucking <laughs> monster. Uh, uh, He's talking about the new Muppets right now, which is terrific. <laughs> I, uh, I went back and watched some of the old ones. All right, yeah. But, um, but uh, I, was, I don't know if we mentioned Only Lovers Left Alive. Enemy, I would say, is an honorable mention uh, for me. I would, um... I would say the rover, uh, which we have not even reviewed yet, as, mm -hmm. as well as the enemy. I would good. say would, I would say both would be um, honorable mentions. They're not top, they're they're barely top ten, or even not even top ten. Stranger mm -hmm. by the Lake, uh, Neighbors, 
uh, which we did say. I would say 22 Jump Street and Joe are on the cusp of that, but I would still recommend both of them. 22 Jump Street is great, but, you know, I guess we're going to talk about that a little, in a little bit. Yeah. Yes. A little uh, bit later. Okay. Yeah, uh, just to add, sorry, real quickly, I, I would agree that Neighbors is another Arnold mission for mine if I wanted to extend my list a little bit. And 22 Jump Street definitely is too, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, and then I still need to see Locke, the rover, Enemy. Um, so yeah, and I, need to see, yeah I need to see Enemy too. All right, yeah. so uh, all right, d- quick d- quick DVD recommendations. Um, I want I just want to mention this is a movie I saw like almost a month ago, but it stuck with me so much. Um, uh, Bellatar's Werkmeister Harmonies. I know he's most mm. well known right now for the Turin Horse, but I honestly think Werkmeister is practically a masterpiece. It it it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I think that and Satan Tango are held up as his. Yeah, I, I really want to watch. Yeah. I really need to watch Satan Tango. One of I've only seen uh, Turn Horse, so I can't comment. But. Yeah, but um, yeah, Turn Horse is great. I think, I think uh, Verkmeister is greater, and I'm I'm looking forward to watch more Bellatar films because he's not a director that of everyone's style or pace. But boy, does it work for me. <laughs> yeah, I would say my recommendation is New Criterion Blu-ray of Douglas Sirk's All That Heaven Allows. He looked at, he was offered Hollywood scripts that were women's weepies. They were melodramas. They're soap operas. <laughs> women's <Yeah>. weepies. <laughs> I know, yeah. It, yeah. And he said, oh, fine. I mean, I'll, he was a very intellectual man. I'll, I'll direct that script. You just give me the actors I want. Give me Rock Hudson. Uh, 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 give me Wyman. And he made his movie. But he says, you can tell me how to write my movie, how to edit my movie, but you can't tell me how to shoot my movie. And he shoots a very subversive and beautiful Technicolor. You need to see this on Blu-ray if you're going to watch it at all. Uh, Beautiful Technicolor 1950s look because it's from 55. And he Mm. is just so subversive in the way that we treat women. Women's weepies. Y- yes. <laughs> that is the name of the fucking podcast. Women but, sweepies. But <laughs> it's t- but Douglas Sirk who influenced Todd Haynes, who influenced Tarantino. I would like a Douglas huh. Sirk steak, extra bloody. Um, and influenced uh, Rainer Werner, uh, Werner Rainer. Sorry, Fassbender. Uh, Fassbender. Yeah. Uh, a, a good German filmmaker who also dealt with melodrama. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. sort of takes that basic, uninteresting story and makes it interesting visually. To make you think about the story itself and its merits. Basically, yeah, I mean, he'll like literally Basic like point bitch. the camera at the new TV that that she got, and you'll see her on her TV watching herself, or you huh. see her separated from her son by a screen, or and it's just these. You think about this, and you're like, what is it? What's he trying to say? I mean, of course, you have a scene where Rock Hudson's feeding a deer. He's practically Ron Swanson before the mustache. He's a man, <laughs> but um, man's but man. I mean, it's sort of. <laughs> And then the deer like comes to the window, like all like, "Are you gonna feed me again?" It's just it, it, it's kind of funny, but it's it's a powerful movie. I recommend it, especially yeah. the Blu-ray transfer. Danny, uh, yeah. I, I know we kind of put this upon. Do you have anything you could think of? Um, I'm not even necessarily paying attention to like what is that on is DVD that on, or not. The Lego but... movie. I know the Lego movie just came out. Or, or... Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Okay. I. I... Everyone's I mean, seen the Lego movie, all right? You've all seen the fucking Lego movie, all right? 
if you haven't, do it. And you've all seen fucking it. 22 Jump Street, too, speaking of Lord, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah, that's one thing I want to talk about, I guess, on the next podcast, is just that it's the year of Lord and Miller, I think. Yeah. Who have, um, who, I think they're becoming always liked, tours but, in a way. But I'll, yeah, I'll exactly. Like, yeah. strangely. But, yeah, yeah, we'll say, that for, we'll say yeah. that for next time. Have you seen anything, yeah. Danny, that's not a 2012, 20, or sorry, not a 2014 movie that you, you can recommend? Um, that I could recommend. Well, uh, I saw Hunger recently, which was amazing. Oh, terrific. Um, still my oh favorite. My still, my, still my favorite. Steve McQueen is as as, oh, it, as, as great as uh, Twelve Years a Slave is. It's still it's a good pick. My favorite. It is. Yeah, it, it's absolutely wonderful. The long takes. I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, and of course, the centerpiece, the seventeen minute one. I or however long, nineteen seventeen, whatever. I was not <laughs> fully prepared for how just absolutely. Oh gosh. Yeah. How absolutely. Uh, with Davos, yeah. the Onion Knight from Game of Thrones. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, another Game of Thrones actor, uh, Peter Dinklage, is in The Station Agent, which is directed by Thomas hmm. McCarthy, who was randomly in season five of The Wire. Um, that that one, it didn't like blow my mind, but it was it's a really it's a nice little movie. It's pretty much the definition of what people say when they when they say a nice little movie. Um, with excellent performances. That that one I saw a little while ago. I'd, I'd recommend it um, pretty pretty casually. Um, and uh, yeah. All right, we gotta get going now. That's All perfect. Right. That's All perfect right. timing. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Be sure to um, rate us on iTunes or speakers slash slash screens on iTunes. Rate us. Give a nice review if you want. Um, look on our other blog. Uh, look on everything on our blog speakerscreens.tumblr.com um, watch all of, listen to all of our podcasts even the your podcast opinion is wrong podcast um, do all that bye 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 cause when I see that union man walking down the street
we go. But by the way, it did take me the whole movie to figure out Jon Snow played Tattoo Face in How You Train Your Dragon. Oh, I heard about that. <laughs> whoa, yeah. whoa, what? I did not yeah, that, know. I did not know that. Kit Harrington or whatever his name is. Yeah. Huh. I Elric, son Pompe- of Elric or whatever. His name. Yeah, yeah. I had someone oh, yeah, see a... Pompeii, the new Paul W. S. Anderson movie, a few months ago, wearing mm-hmm. a Game of Thrones shirt, and I was like, "Oh yeah, are you excited for Jon Snow?" And she's like, "That's the only reason why I'm here." <laughs> 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 